Thank you for listening to the Homes and Havens podcast. Homes and Havens is a nonprofit in Chattanooga, Tennessee, that exists to create healing spaces for women in recovery. For more information about their work, visit homesandhavens.com. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Homes and Havens podcast, a place for conversations about home, healing, hospitality, and recovery. I'm your host, Casey Strickland, and with me at our kitchen table is my husband, Brian. Hello, friends. And he is going to be sitting in on this episode just because it's awkward to hear myself talk the entire time. Um, But he is actually producing this podcast, so he will be present, but you may not hear him all the time. But he's going to be filling in this space um, and helping us tell the story of how Homes and Havens came to be and... It's kind of his story too, but I'm glad he's sitting here with me to make this less awkward. (laughs) So Casey, I think the question that we get most frequently is how did Homes and Havens begin? It was born out of a really difficult season for us. Um, We had just had a baby and we had just lost our jobs and we had family members that were fighting addiction and it was one of the most difficult seasons of my life thus far. (laughs) There was a lot of darkness and heaviness and defeat. And um, I was actually struggling with postpartum depression as well. And so I was not able to sleep at night when my baby was sleeping and it was just full of anxiety and just weird fears and pain and trauma. And so I think it was in that season that I really began to crave a place to heal, a place that was, you know, set apart from the rest of the world that was comforting and peaceful and beautiful. And I think that's when I started viewing my home um, with a different lens and thinking, why can't this place, my home, be a place to heal? And so... During that season, because I had lost my job and then you were out of work as well, we were home a lot. And I began to write out a mission statement for my home, Um, things that I wanted my home to feel. Some of those things I still have written on my wall right over there, but I wanted this home to be a sanctuary of peace. Um, I wanted this place to be gentle on the suffering. Um, I wanted this place to be something that soothes the hurried and where life and grace were spoken and that it would be a taste of milk and honey. And so that began to influence the way I designed our home. Um, Instead of looking to Pinterest or design magazines or anything that was popular on Instagram, I really filtered everything through that lens of, does this achieve that mission? Does this achieve that purpose? And so our home slowly began to change. much to Brian's dismay, <laughs> but we began, um, we had such a limited budget too. I think we could throw $20 a month at that time to just buying something new, but I sold everything that I didn't like, um, or didn't provide joy or achieve the mission that I wanted for our home. And so our home began to be a comforting place. Our home began to soothe a lot of my anxiety and people responded to it. Um, When I had people, Bible studies or friends come over for coffee, 
everyone would comment on how peaceful and comforting our home was. And I didn't take those things as brags, but really it encouraged me that it was achieving the mission that it had set out to. And so I thought, I wonder if other people could do this as well. And I was currently serving in our church in a ministry called Renew and um, began to recognize a need for assistance in homemaking and home building for these women that were transitioning out of a program that they're overcoming some kind of life crisis or addiction or trauma. And so I had my first client, if you will, um, in September of 2016, Charlie, our son was four months old and I can remember hiking up the front steps and (laughs) with him in a little car seat and I'm going in and I was so nervous, but I just wanted to do something to pass on the blessing that home had been for me to another woman. And I didn't know if I could help, but I was willing to try. And so that woman is now a dear friend of mine and a friend of ours and their family is precious to us. And um, but that was really the first experience of helping her um, pick out certain pieces or you know, just arrange her space in a different way and help her place bring joy to her and her family as they began a new journey together, overcoming um, a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, and just seeing how home began to help her mend was exhilarating. And I knew in that moment that I had stumbled upon something so beautiful that I couldn't walk away from that experience. And so it was in after that experience and in those nights when I couldn't sleep that I would just pray um, for vision and wisdom on how to move forward with this newfound passion of mine and um, wrestled with, is this a business? Is this a ministry? Because at the time, we obviously couldn't financially do these homes all on my own. I couldn't pay for their living room suits and I couldn't pay for rugs and artwork. And so I began taking on design clients in that time and painting furniture for people just so I could get money to help furnish these other homes. And so I don't know if you remember us wrestling through that of, is this a business? Is this a nonprofit? What should we do? Yeah, very much so. I remember you trying to give away most of our living room as well. Oh, no. Yeah, I do remember that, too. That was rare. It wasn't often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Brian came home multiple instances where furniture was missing um our bedroom furniture went missing at one point and um so we all have rocky starts though (laughs) but yeah so i think we but we eventually i think i think one of the biggest reasons why we decided to go the nonprofit route was because of the interest in the community people wanted to get involved in this they wanted to give me money or they wanted to donate furniture um, they wanted to volunteer. And I think in that moment, I felt like I was holding something that wasn't mine anymore. I think it was the communities. I think it was Chattanooga's, but also it was God's and he wanted to invite other people into this story. And so I think nonprofit for us, at least, was definitely the right way to go um, to just kind of let this be what it is and invite more people into it than just me. So that's kind of how I got started. You decided to go the nonprofit route. 
You don't really know what you're doing yet. <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what you want to accomplish, which is often the only thing that we really need. Mm. So looking back um, to 2016 until now, mm. how did your process start and how has it developed over the last two years? It has gone from hot mess express to maybe a little less mess. It literally started in our carport. I mean, I think that's where we ran most of it. We tarped furniture. And to give you a visual picture here, our carport, every storm, we think it's going to blow down just because it's very fragile (laughs) (laughs) and um, not suited for storing any kind of furniture or anything, really. Um, But people were so willing to help that we would come home from dinner and there would be pieces of furniture under our carport that people had dropped off for the ministry. And so I would spend nap times painting furniture for clients and praying over them and just singing and having my own little worship session outside and to realizing that there we were going to need a lot more space and a lot more people and a lot more money to really get this off its feet. And so some of the growing pains have come from scaling it from, you know, one person to now we have a team, um, a small team, but it is a mighty team. And to a space we, as we're recording this in 2019, we are in a space um, that is so much bigger than I ever dreamt we could inhabit. And it's gorgeous. And it looks so organized from the outside, but building all of those processes have been a labor of love and really discovered by learning the hard way what doesn't work and creating systems that put clients on our schedule in a way that's manageable and sustainable for us because it was, even this past summer, it was definitely, it felt like it was running us instead of we were in control of it. And I think it's so hard to walk away or or press pause on women's lives that are in desperate need. Um, women that are getting apartments for the first time with three kids and have absolutely nothing. It's hard to tell them it's going to be a couple months until we can get to you. And some of that for me and the stress of starting the organization was because I couldn't say no. I couldn't say just give us a second or a couple of weeks or whatever. And so we ran like our hair was on fire every week, every month. And it was just running from one woman to the next woman and trying to pull together a beautiful haven. And in some cases, honestly, it was 24 hours between meeting this woman, looking at her space and saying, we're going to recklessly put together a home for you. And I just noticed that the quality not necessarily the quality of the home, because from before and after standpoint, it still looked the same. But one of the things I love so much about what we do is pouring our heart out onto these walls and into these homes. And I felt like sometimes I was so tired by the time I got to the home that I didn't feel like I left it all on the table for them. And so that was a key indicator for me that we might need to slow down. And when I got our teammates right now, Susan and Meg are just instrumental in the development and the day-to-day process of growing this organization. And when they came on board, I felt like, oh, we have two more people so we can do triple the amount of work. And that was not a reality. And that was not 
wise because the work that I was currently doing wasn't sustainable. So we had to dial it back even more to for everyone to catch up and to really work in a way that promoted peace. I mean, we're all about creating peaceful, beautiful havens. And yet my inner world was nothing like that, um, trying to start and grow this organization. And so we had a lot of learning to do, but we've got some processes that definitely work for us now. Um, A lot of times we're asked, where do we find these women that we work with? I think that's probably the number one question that I get asked is, are these just women you meet on the street or friends of a friend or... So we work um, with organizations in Chattanooga. We have about 13 agencies in Chattanooga that can refer clients to us right now. And so these are women that are working with caseworkers or program directors that are really involved in a holistic care. So they're not just focused on helping a woman climb out of addiction, but they're also helping her find a job and find housing, um, get counseling. You know, it's a it's a very holistic approach. And so we basically plug into those services as a woman is graduating out of a program and is in need of furnishings because a lot of these women don't have the money to furnish an entire apartment in a way, especially that reflects who she is now in a new lifestyle. And so once a caseworker refers her client to us, um, we, depending on when we can fit her in on the calendar, we meet with the client for a consultation, which usually lasts about 30 minutes, just to walk through her space, get to get a feeling for her personality and develop a wish list. And then about three to four weeks later, we schedule her home install um, and invite volunteers from the community. And then that is when we set up her entire space in about three hours, um, usually. So that's kind of how our process works. Um, We love partnering with local organizations that are already doing incredible work. They are the experts in these fields. We don't claim to be experts on trauma or addiction or abuse or sex trafficking, but um, we love linking arms with these organizations that are already doing incredible work and, and serving their clients in a unique and helpful way. Yeah, it's truly a sight to behold. Mm. Uh, three hours is not a whole long time—a very long time—to transform an entire space into something brand new. But you've got some great volunteers and a partnership mm. with um, a moving company as well that helps, and it really is pretty amazing to watch this happen on a monthly basis. Mm. I know. Yeah, before we were introduced to Bell Hops, which is a local moving company here that offers a huge discount on their services for us, I felt like I was going to lose my mind every time we had an install because it was depending on volunteers when trucks and trailers that you know, oh my, I got the flu or oh my, you know, it's, it was just so stressful. Um, I lost about ten years of my life just <laughs> <laughs> trying to coordinate. The logistics of all of it. Um, but Bell Hops is an incredible company that um, really supports us. And every guy that we've had on the move is the most kind, cheerful, hardworking individual I've ever met. Yeah, that's awesome. You might recognize some of the agencies that we work with. Um, Renew Ministries, which is a part of Calvary Chapel. Love's Arm. Partnership for Families, Children, and Adults. Willow Bend Farms. Project Free to Fly. The Momentum Network, Second Life Tennessee. These are incredible organizations that work with women 
fleeing um, domestic violence situations, women overcoming addictions, women exiting the sex trafficking industry, um, women exiting homelessness, um, just a variety of of work that they do and their expertise in these women's lives is just invaluable. So now that we've covered the process and the how of Homes and Havens, I thought maybe we could spend a little time talking about the why. So what are some of the foundational motivations behind what you do and some of the beliefs that you guys have as an organization? That is my favorite part. Um, So as I mentioned, just in our personal story of just out of that season of defeat and discouragement, I really came face to face with the God of resurrection and, um, his power to take what is dead and make it come to life again. And so I see that so clearly when we go into these homes for the first time, we meet this woman. Um, Usually these homes are either empty completely or it is full of clutter and disorganization and just, you know, mixed match furniture. There's no real order or beauty present in these homes and so it feels like the home doesn't have a heartbeat it feels like it's dead and I think walking through those spaces and praying as we're even meeting with this woman of like God breathe life here like breathe life into these spaces and knowing that he will and he is and he was already there when we opened the front door and he's already working in this woman's life and we're just joining him in this um, is so powerful for me that is why I go because I know he's there and I know he's at work and I want to join him in that and I think I've never seen resurrection so beautifully pictured as we enter into this home in a storm with volunteers and moving men and you know we're pulling out the old and we're bringing in the new and every time I think I stand there and I'm thinking I hope we can pull this off I hope we can make this into a haven and and like I said in about three hours it transforms before our very eyes into something that is so alive that it just reinforces that belief and there is a God of resurrection. He brings the dead to life and not only in this woman's story and in the brokenness that she has already experienced, he is mending and healing and rebirthing in her life and hope and courage. But that's why I do this is because I believe in a God of resurrection. I have seen him work not only in these homes, but in my own life and in my family's life. He He works and he is powerful and he brings beauty. It's not just, oh, the heart started again, but there is beauty there. And out of the ashes rise something that is so mesmerizing and enchanting and just unbelievable that um, I stand in awe every time, every time we leave, it is it is just as impo- just as powerful for me as it is for that woman. And having the opportunity to tell these women that they're loved and valued and seen um, is so important for me because it's not like we're sitting across the table. She doesn't know who I am. And I'm saying, you're loved, you're seen, you're valuable. But when she opens that front door and sees the quality 
and the beauty that we've put in her home. Um, and we look at her and say she's loved and seen and valued. She believed it in that moment. And I live for that moment. <laughs> I, th- I do it for that moment because I want her life to be changed, not because she has a beautiful house, but because there are people in the world that see her. There are people in the world that think she is worth this. Um, and we want her dignity to come back. And we think she has something to contribute to our community, her family, the way she mothers her children, the way she enters the workforce, the way she lives her life, who she is as a person. We want her to show up and we want her at our table and our community needs her. And so that is why that is what pulses in my veins every time we knock on that front door for the first time and I'm still nervous as heck because it just never goes away but I think I'm nervous because I know this matters so much and I know it's important and it's holy work um, and it's hard work but it's holy and I never get tired of it because I see God so clearly in the work and I think our volunteers confirm that as well there's something so just I want to say magical but I don't know if that's the right word it's just it's spiritual and it's it makes you uncomfortable in all the best ways but um it really is incredible and um just to get to love on these women in that way but um we believe um in the in our organization our values are that every woman deserves a home that supports her recovery and Um, It doesn't matter what story she's leaving, what brokenness she's stepping out of, what color her skin is. None of that matters as long as she is alive and willing, you know, to enter into a new chapter. We want to support her and we believe her home should support her recovery. All right. Thank you everyone so much for listening. That's going to wrap it up for the first episode of the Homes and Havens podcast. If you want to stay updated on the latest happenings for Homes and Havens, be sure to follow them on social. Uh, You can find them on Facebook and Instagram and the handle is Homes and Havens, right? Mm -hmm. Homes and Havens. All right. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks.